Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Wonder Confessions. You can follow me at Hall24 on Twitter. You can read my material at uh, thefilmwonder.wordpress.com. You can also find me at filmwonder.blogger.com for my order content um, that is available. Um, um, I still haven't read anything lately. Um, I've been quite busy around uh, my personal job uh, trying to get that you know stuff uh, that stuff going itself and um like i've had some projects that i wanted to do but i just i haven't had the time to sit down and like get to them um next week's going to be difficult because i have to go to a convention down in miami um so i'll have to find a way to squeeze in some time um same reviews i haven't really had a chance to really write anything um, like I have a, I have the Belko experiment written, but I have to like edit it and like you know do a couple of like fine touches to it before I send it out. And the movie is quite old. It it and it, I don't think it made a lot of money, so um, I don't know. It's gonna be hard for me to like recommend a movie that you can't really see, but I'll put it out anyway if you want to for those that that uh that don't that do read it. So like so. Yeah, other than that, like, um, any random thoughts? Uh, I have a couple. Um, this has been another rough week. Um, I mean, for those out here who heard the, uh, my Ranting Wanderer episode, um, um, we bomb Syria, but we didn't really get the those those chemical weapons um, as sort of like the whole trajectory, the whole mission was. So we didn't, we never got them, and and Pepsi is a uh, is a shot for for bullshit, and and um, I mean that was kind of bad, and and um, yeah, um, I, I guess the only good out of like my week, I'd say, would be. You know, it's another week, and uh, I've been trying to do you know more to take care of myself, um, stretching, um, bath salts, you know, you know, loosening myself up. I did a couple cartwheels last night. <laughs> I did cartwheels. I, I felt like doing them. I I, I I got home from work and like I was like uh, uh, I was like okay. Am I gonna work out after like you know doing fifteen hours of like labor? It's like that's kind of hard to do, especially you know. I I remember I did that a couple times uh, after my job, like, and I haven't done it since. And that's because when you're like shipping floors and and you know scrubbing, and you're doing a lot of running around, and then you just your, your body's like your body clock's like you, you got nothing, dude. You can't really put up the effort to 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 do this. So. Um, I, I pretty much call like my, you know, my outside activities like at night and I basically just put in, I put in this ultimate, uh, meat pizza from Aldi's and, uh, chicken nuggets. And I basically like, uh, I watched, um, this, this text race, uh, like, um, that took place on Saturday afternoon and I fell asleep. Because uh, I was I was done though for basically for the duration of the day or for the night rather. Um, man, I was really tired. I was I was really sleepy. And I I, I kind of had a plan of like what I have what I was gonna do. I was gonna watch Miss Sloan last night, and I just I had I had nothing to contribute. And like right after this podcast, I'm going to watch that movie, and I'm, I might have something for you guys um, that um, might intrigue. It might intrigue you, and I think before I get into like you know a couple of the topics, I guess the thing I'm gonna work on with Sloan was it's it's is it's, it's gonna be a review. Other than I like the movie generally, but I kind of want to parallel to like um, whiteness or like white feminism, I guess in, in a way, and and because um, I remember like watching some of those like Jessica Chastain um, interviews. And uh, how she sort of like you know make crew make this character like centered off being as like an inspiration, and how you know you know fight for uh, you know for pay wages and and uh, you know 
you know that she didn't know all these things about lobbying and stuff and and the the, the weird the most fascinating thing about his interviews is like like Chastain is like 39 years old um right now and I'm like you've been in Hollywood as for as long as you've been and you don't know how this works and it's and I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to belittle her intelligence or anything but I'm just like that's fascinating I'm like how does one like her who is in a business in which Hollywood and politics like they're in a, they're, they kind of intertwine um because Hollywood you know does work with our military I mean ask Michael Bay Michael Bay you know does yeoman work to make sure I could, I want to blow shit up I'm going to use the US military dog because they ain't nothing like our military and we gonna go ham on these Transformers movies, and we gonna go ham on my Thirteen Hours movie uh, about Benghazi. We gonna go ham on uh, you know anything I do. I'm gonna call the U.S. military because there is no other military I would like rely on but the damn U.S. military. That's Michael Bay, and it's like when I look at when I when I was watching those interviews, I was just like, no, you you can't be this dense, and you don't know that. Hollywood is this complicated, uh, like good old boy, um, uh, racist, like place that does a hell of a job masquerading itself as this liberal bastion of, you know, we have you know these movies that you want to watch and you know things you sort of like you know wonder and you and you're amazed by and you know deep down inside like there's like you know dudes who just feel like they need to hold on to something so that they don't give it to the next generation or whatnot. Um and it and and maybe, you know, what she said kinda makes sense because I'm I'm like she's trying to do this like this um uh, this movie like because of the success of hidden figures, like about um, you know, how women in NAS couldn't get ahead and and um and it's like the show I listen. It's like uh, the show I listen to uh, this weekend. Um, I, I believe it's Rod's uh, uh, Black Tips premium show, uh, The Nerd Off. How you know women like her sort of like do this whole like you know performative wokeness where like they're sort of aware, but they're not really aware, and they kind of like are like you know they're overdoing it. Um, like oh, I, I love Tahiti's on Easy Coats. But I, but uh, I, I, I uh, Kaiser Cab is a problem, and uh, he, he became a Nazi when you know the whole joint, the whole part of like Hydra Cap is he was compromised because of the of the cube of the of the cube of the the little girl who was in the uh, the cubics thing, and what basically that that whole thing did was basically it basically rewrote Steve Rogers' history. And when it rewrote his history, he discovered that okay, the entire his entire legacy was a lie. And that's the whole gist of like uh, of him. And basically, he read you know this assault on Pleasant Hill. Uh, I think it's, I think it's what the issue was, which is, that's like the only one I've read of that book. It's sort of like tied all together. And then I'm sort of looking at Chastain. I'm like, I don't get it. Like, you don't know how this works. <laughs> I, I don't. I refuse. I refuse to believe her. It's just. It was kind of my whole conclusion. And and Miss and Sloane's character. There's nothing heroic about her. I mean, maybe like like near the end, she does a heroic thing to like give her some, you know, uh, just the slightest bit of empathy. But all in all, she's ruthless, and she's ruthless because she learned from ruthless people to do ruthless things. To win, to win for herself, and to and to prove to everyone in the room that I, I, you know, I got the biggest stick in the yard, and no one's gonna fuck with me. And that was what I took away from that movie when I watched it back in December. Um, and I sort of look at her, and I'm like, maybe she's sort of like the McKinley white feminism, where you know she cares about white feminism, or she cares about feminism, unless something to do with her. And that's kind of my impression of of, of, of Sloane character, which, you know, was well played by Chastain, who I thought gave like, the performance of her career. And it was a good film. Just a good film. Not a great film, but a solid film, you know, through and through. Um, 
um, that you know overcame some writing issues um, uh, that I had a problem with, um, especially like as she's leaving the firm she worked for, and and Stahlberg's character was like, you know, I I just was sitting here wiping your shit, which is like uh, that's kind of awkward line to use, buddy, and. Like, there's nothing inspirational about her, about her character, but at the same time, there are elements of that character I can kind of respect. Is that okay? She's a ruthless bitch who doesn't give a fuck about anything other than just I got a job to do. I'm beat this bread, and you know I'm gonna go to parties, make deals, whatever, and um, you know someone's gonna screw me. I'm gonna screw with them, and and that was kind of whole the whole gist of the movie really, and. Because when I when I watch those interviews, I, I just and, I'm, and if I'm repeating myself, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, if you listen back to this, um, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it, and that was sort of my own takeaway. And I, and I guess sort of like as I'm sort of like talking about that, I'm kind of parlaying that towards, um, you know, I'm going to talk about John Ridley later on the show, and and um, I'm noticing um, black men. Particularly, I think are doing this thing, and it's making me very creepy. It, it, I, I get really creepy. I get creeped out by this. Like Jean Ridley, um, he's doing this show called Gorilla, and they're centering it around um, an Asian woman. Um, and there's two factors here. Like the gorilla, the the. Yeah, I think it has to do with like the the Black Panthers in the UK in the nineteen seventies. There was like, and there's a lot of Black Panthers, you know, in the United States. You know, Angela Davis. Uh, you know, it was a prominent woman of that movement. And uh, um, there's a, it, I don't think I don't think you can find it. PBS did a documentary of Black Panthers, and, and you know, they actually balanced where it wasn't just. Um, you know the men who were the centerpiece of the black, of the Black Panther movement. You know, feeding kids and um, you know using you know their their clout to actually try to end white supremacy. You know, Angela Davis was, was stalwart, like just a badass. Um, and like, and I don't know. I, I, I guess it's insecurity, and I guess it's you know just being all around whack itself. Um, I hate it when we try to use white women, Latino, Latino women, um, Asian women as sort of like this stopgap to to, 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 to point and say, well, these women are coming up, like, you better watch out. You know, it's the whole trick daddy thing where, where trick daddy was saying his shit about, you know, how these, you know, how do you, how black women are fucking them, which is like, which is gotta be the most sideways shit you have ever got to say like what the fuck are you talking about and and is there something deep within you that that hates yourself to say that shit I, I don't understand us that say that now I was in an interracial relationship uh, two years with my ex-girlfriend uh, I was really young at the time and and I think a part of me felt in a way in which when I got with her I was like see I can get see I, I got one I got one and the more as that relationship went on, I, I kind of got the chance to realize that, okay, we have absolutely nothing in common. And the reason why I said that was we never really got a chance to know each other on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on vast levels. Um, and plus we had a longest relationship like, later on as the, the relationship went on and stuff. Uh, oh, sorry. I was checking my phone. Um, so... And I think slowly as I've gotten older, um, I've begun to realize that anti-blackness um, is not just a white thing. It, though it, it is, you know, leaps and bounds, a thing for white people to deal with. But I think on the other end of it, it's, you know, anti-blackness is in us. And it's in us because white supremacy is beating us over the head for, you know, for, for years, for centuries. And when you try to center off women who aren't black as like your like example for you know what a woman should be, I think you're not only disappointing her, you're disappointing yourself by 
trying to make this stupid point that she's better. And I think when I read those articles, I think John Ridley, um, who also wrote Ben Hur, by the way, um, so I can, you know, being, you know, the creator, one of the, you know, one of the heads of American Crime on ABC, which I haven't watched, but I hear other things about it. Um, I think there's something in him that um, I think deeply hates himself. In, in, in which um, um, we, in general we just we need to stop this shit it, it, it bothers me man like it it really bothers me as people as as, um, as men and we know better I don't I don't want white supremacy anything I don't want I don't want I don't want massage wall I don't want uh Racism. I don't want sex. I want none of that shit. I want. I want none of it. And those who are listening, those black men who are who are who might be who might listen to this episode, like hear me out. Exact. Like look at yourself in the mirror and under and see if you're the problem. Because I I I did, I did that for me. I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, all the way cured and I'm like, oh, I, I've seen the ways and, you know, um, you know, I, I did all those like I, I'm I still got my old like fetishization shit. I'm sort of trying to like, you know, de- you know, deal with I'm sort of trying to purge that shit out because because I've said that I might have said that on, on a couple episodes of the show that, you know, I was like, I you know, I prefer white women, like which. It will and always be a racist thing to say, and of course, brother, wonder well, why is it a racist thing to say? Because it implies that they're the best one, which is bullshit. Because you know, white women are beautiful, but it's not. Um, you shouldn't just center them off as the one the you know the, the whole exclusivity of shutting out other races for them and it's like and why do that and for what it, it's just don't do that ever don't do that ever it's patently absurd um it may and it makes no sense like you're endorsing supremacy. You're, you're let you giving it legs by making the mistakes that he did. Making the mistakes. Um, who's another cat dad? Oh, oh, Lee Lee Daniels. Lee Daniels centered star on a white on a, on a white girl. Come on, bro. Be, 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 all all because you know I, he wanted to heal the nation with a white woman, a white girl. Yay, Lee Daniels. Yeah, the director of fucking. Um, God, uh, Precious and The Butler, like two overwrought movies by Lee Daniels. Oh, God, like, like, beat him, Ridley, um, Trick Daddy, like, and I don't want to use Trick Daddy as an example, but I just brought him up as like, you know, the whole, you know, he's going to be coming up. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, so is Rachel Dolezal on her fake-ass blackness. Great. Yeah, they come up. Yeah, she come up the ranks. Yeah. All I want for my birthday is a nice white girl. I don't know. I don't know. Just, just don't, don't be them. Don't be, don't be how I was. Like, Fix your fix your shit, man. We need to fix our shit. And also, yeah, like just fix. We need to fix our shit. <laughs> That's like the end all be all. Um, yeah. So I I wanted to touch on that, and, and um, you know, I'm still single. Um, I've been single since since um since 09 <laughs> early 09 um <laughs> I was gonna try to use this opportunity like well ladies call me it's like nah nah <laughs> no I won't do that um oh um and quick before I start the show um 
90 people to stop saying that there are no movies out there are no new there are no creative movies out there everything's the same um have well i go to, i try to see independent movies i've been, I've been since, since 2014 i've made this effort to like see more independent movies um i go to the gateway movie theater in fort lauderdale i I even went to see Moonlight in AMC um, Aventura, uh, you know, days before the election, um, because I wanted to see Moonlight so badly, and I did, and I loved it. And uh, I, I love movies, and I think being a movie critic, being a movie aficionado like myself, as part of movie critic rather, is you have to love movies enough to make sure that the big matter as much as the little. And if you give both of them a much weight and you actually grapple a, a lot of information, also by reading the trades and by reading, you know, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of how, you know, filmmaking happens, you know, how scripts come to be, you know, you know, post-production, um, and, you know, even to the people who are, you know, say the stuff like, you know, oh, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's too many big bunch of movies. Like, I would argue that there, there's not, um, there's not enough like great big budget movies like because the big budget movies are like either in the middle or they're like a little above decent i guess on average um and i guess you know like i'm trying to i want to see the zookeeper's wife and grit gifted and i don't know if i'll be able to get a chance to see those movies um considering they're not out in my part of the city and um yeah i don't know how much time i'll have overall like i'm considering seeing if i don't see gifted this week i'll probably have to try to stretch some time to see the week after either on a saturday night or sunday morning um but i i really want to see that movie and um you know see chris evans um act in a movie that isn't just that isn't avengers affiliated because Chris Evans can act. He's, Chris Evans has always been able. He's been one of my favorite actors um, growing up um, since uh, not in the team movie, and I would even say since Street Kings. I thought he was really good in that movie, um, even though the movie was not good itself. But I thought he was one of the standouts of that movie. Um, but I, I think when people say that, I think you're also short-sighting your knowledge of movies, or just the fact that okay you're not looking for I don't know book of Tree of Life or book in Life of Pi um, uh, Moonlight 20th Century Women uh, Pariah I'm just trying to name a couple other movies um, that like you know that were like you know big but um, uh, I don't want to say La La Land because La La Land was kind of mainstream mission over, but but La La Land's overrated. Um, so I'm gonna use another example. Um, mm, mm, I don't know, Brokeback Mountain. I guess, yeah, oh, like you know, uh, oh, um, God, that was Texas movie. Damn it. Um, hi, uh, Hello, High Water. Yeah, that was a movie that didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, incidentally. Um, like a lot of people, a lot of critics rated on it, like, but you know, just not enough people saw it. Um, you know, the movies are out there, but people have to do it. Queen of Catway. No one saw that movie. No one saw that movie. And yet, you know, I, I heard more bitching about on, on Facebook and Twitter about, you know, how we see Birth of Nation because it's the most poor movie since God. And. I was like, but what about uh, Catway, though? What about, you know, Miles Ahead, though? Like, what about those movies? Those, those, that, those don't count? It's like, it's like, um, it's like um, a big game. You know, Cat Separation was a big game, but it don't count. That's stupid. Like, they don't count because uh, Quinn Catway is at Dunder's is Indian descent. The fuck? Like, that, that's stupid. I mean, the movies are out there as long as you look for them. And find independent movies like near you, or just you know, go a distance. Like, um, I'm gonna try to go to Gateway again. I'm in the Gateway movie theater in a minute. Like, I miss that place. 
I miss those. I miss the couches. I miss that screen. I miss that. I miss the. I miss. I miss the this the, the lore of that joint. Like I, that is a good ass movie theater. Um, you know, old cinema is a dope movie theater. I like that movie uh, theater setting. Is it, the screen's pretty big and like all that. Um, I'm gonna try to go to more because I I want this to be my future. And I think. I guess you know, watch even the most you know scary movie. You know, watch them. You know, even if it was a shit movie like uh, in the, in the cold day and night with Henry Cavill and Bruce Willis and Sigourney Weaver. Like at least watch it. Like those movies are there. You just you have to look for them. So anyway, um, to our new segment. Um, Oh, maybe my, my hands like this. Ooh, baby. Ooh. And the first two things I've written are Pascal Johansson. My God, my God, my God. Whoo. Uh, Deadline.com. Deadline.com. As soon as the screen will come up. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, headline says, Ghost in the Shell will lose $60 million. Um I won't get to the whole. Here's why. So long story short, um, for last week Ghost in the Shell made about eighteen point six million dollars, like officially, um, roughly ninety nineteen million going around and stuff. Um, and there was this whole controversy about it being whitewashed and you know Scarlett Johansson and, and um, you know as beautiful as the movie is, the, the the film felt felt white as shit and and. Um, it's gonna lo- it's gonna lose like sixty million dollars as the article said, but I'll go more to the numbers. Um, I read this first paragraph like it's like after fan- finishing the first weekend and opening weekend at the Limits box office eighteen point six million. Uh, film finance sources tell Deadline that Paramount DreamWorks' uh, Reliance Ghost in the Shell stands to lose at least six million, and that's based off of a global box office reduction of two million, uh, fifty million domestic, one hundred fifty million international, and combined P and A production costs of two hundred fifty million. Which is that's yeah, that blows your mind. That should blow your mind. Uh, some sources even assert that the production cost of Ghost is far up north of 110 million and more than 180 million range. If that's the case, Ghost is bleeding in the in excess of 100 million. So it's a problem for Paramount. Clearly, that they misfired, thinking, okay, if you get a big star like Scarlett Johansson, um, who's white. Um, that okay, they could actually do fine to pull this off. When when you're seeing like Great Wall, you're seeing Exodus, and you're seeing um, Gods of Egypt, like you see these movies with like a pretty white cast just just fall on their face as they are with Reckless Abandon had been her as another. Um, yeah, this is a formula that it, it goes all the way back, you know, to you know, to the inception of filmmaking. I mean, Mickey Mickey Rooney, for Christ's sakes, he played a Chinese person. Mickey Rooney, yeah, Mickey Rooney. Like, look it up somewhere on Twitter. I mean, on, on Google, like you'll you'll find. Yeah, he played a Chinese 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 person. I remember I remember like reading the story and Bruce Bruce Lee. I think uh, he watched this movie and he was. Heated about it and stuff, and like you know, Ghost in the Shell is um, Toku, you know, Kazanaki. Uh, she's the major of, of those of the, of the movie and the and the animes, and um, like Scarlet plays like another character um, who basically you know takes a you know host of the brain and her and the body. I've read some of the spoilers, and uh, I gotta say, uh, it, it, it's pretty disgusting um, what they did to that character, and you know the, you know, I guess the whole mythos. I guess, like, I watched the anime last week for the first time, and it's quite good. I, it's really good, and it has a, it's well paced. It's mostly, it's it's a lot of dialogue, and and Ghost in the which is rather short. Um, and it, and it gets the job done, and you know, just seeing the spoiler for that movie, and then and then I was listening to a review, and then knowing that. The the way um, Scarlet becomes um, the major is um, yeah 
the uh, Motoku uh, Yamatoku is kidnapped and I'm guessing he's killed and then they take the brand and they put it they put it in the scarlet basically putting Motoku's like Japanese brain her all her thoughts everything into into this new body and it's like wow this that, that just ain't how it's done it just at all and Paramount probably isn't going to be doing very well <clears throat> and it's not it's not going to do well at all I checked the numbers of what it made uh, for this week's box office, and it's not even gonna make fifty million dollars. I tell you that right now, it's probably gonna make like forty, forty-two million dollars. It, it's pushing in that direction because it's fading fast. Um, I'm apparently audiences really aren't really digging it, um, um, and I almost wanted to see it, and I was just like, I, I, this this shit is getting worse, and the news is getting worse, and. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is opening her mouth and saying, you know, I chose this movie for for feminism, which is like bullshit because the core tenet of Ghost in the Shell is is um, basically basically information information takeover. Your thoughts, your race, your 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 body, everything like it has been corporatized, and the fact that she chose it for feminism is the biggest problem with with um, you know the TM vacation of white feminism. Is it's mine but not yours? It's it's you know, Megan Kelly. You know, I you know I, I have women causes, but uh, you know, just for me only. And it, it, it's so lame of her to not see that constantly. And I'm gonna get to another story featuring Scarlett Johansson, and it's like, and, and it's just, when I look at her, I just, I just want to just tell her, it's like, lady, get your shit together and, and get your colleagues together too. Because you're mightily fucking up. You're fucking it up for all of us. Because Ghost of the Show would have been really good if you had a Chinese, if you had, if you had a, if you had an Asian lead. Like, period. If a good chunk of the cast is of Asian descent, and the whole well, we just couldn't find a good actors, which, you know, bullshit. You didn't try. That's not. A, that's a terrible answer. You did not try. That's the answer. You didn't care to try. You didn't care to try. So you just you just basically just forced in somebody who is a Scarlett Johansson's skin tone, and you put those leads into the movie. Julie Binoche is not is not an Asian actress. She's French. She's French. Um, like, come on. It's infuriating that people in Hollywood and throughout this country can constantly make this mistake over and over again. It's like hitting walls constantly, thinking, "Okay, if I keep hitting this on uns- uh, this immovable object, it's gonna work." Yeah, it might work, but you'll brutalize your fucking hand hitting that wall. And then you'll hit some steel, and then you or you hit the steel too, and then you and you'll rupture your hand, and then they'll probably have the you know to amputate your fucking hand. It, it, it's 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 not the same thing, but it's it's my gruesome analogy for this. And it's just like okay, Hollywood's gonna probably do another one of these, of like you know what watching an anime, you know, of a, a particular culture, and they're gonna keep hitting these walls because they don't want to change. And anyone that says, well, well, Hollywood, you know, this show, no, you don't want to change. And you and you can't, you don't want to find anyone who is of a said origin. I mean, weirdly enough, Transformers, Transformers, I kind of learned this. They got a Chinese star um, over there, and, and the rest of the movie was centered in, in China, basically. It, it was a big fight in China. The, the, the fourth movie, uh, Age of Extinction, <laughs> which strange I like. Um, Bad movie, but I liked it. Yeah, the movie made a billion dollars. Like it, it made way more money over there than it did here. Like Transformers made like two hundred forty-five, twenty-seven, forty-seven million dollars here, and I'm saying it at the top of my head. And it made like seven plus, seven hundred plus million, like over there, and made a billion dollars because yeah, um, we get it. Even though our movies are a tone of shit, we get it. <laughs> um, and. Uh, 
uh, let me read this article. This next one, um, and I'm gonna get further upset about Scarlett Johansson, uh, um, who I maintain has been overrated since Lost Translation, but um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Scarlett Johansson calls out Ivanka Trump as a coward. <laughs> Really? Um, Ivanka Trump may not know what it means to be complicit. Um, this is written by the New York Daily News. Uh, I believe this, her name is Rachel DeSantis. Um, um, sure does, and she's not holding back. That, that first line, that first line reminds me of a announcer saying something really bad on a, on a TV telecast, like Reggie Miller-esque bad. Uh, the Wilson the Shell actress, 32, slept down Thursday with Aaron Hubbardton. Ironic. Because um, Aaron Hubbardton ain't shit. Um, and at Tina Brown, another woman who's not, who's nothing either. Um, um, she was the head of the Daily Beast and Newsweek. And ever since Tina, Tina Brown left, like, the, the, the new, the, you know, they got a competent editor. Um, and Newsweek and the Daily Beast, weird enough, they're good. It's a good publication. Um, women, women in this world summit um, called out Trump's actions or lack thereof as cowardly and baffling. The discussion came after a recent interview with OCBS in which Ivanka claimed she did not know what it meant to be complicit. Two things. Scott Johansson is cowardly. You want to ask cowardly? Because she didn't have to take this role. But because Paramount, because of her her they were dang, they were dangling like was it what was it um um I can't find it how gross it was like was it ten twelve million dollars I think it was ten twelve million dollars yeah it was uh there's uh uh ten to twelve million dollars you're paying her um for her to take this role and. You know, anybody that says, well, give her a break, you know, give Kylie Jenner a break. Scarlett Johansson is like 32 years old. Fuck that. You know better. You know better. You just don't give a shit. Kylie Jenner didn't give a shit either when, when, she, when you know, Pep's paid her all that fucking money. You know, you know, you know Chris Jenner, you know, gave her, you know, gave her the position, but, but, but you got the money. So therefore you're not sorry. You took the money and you ran. And she said she's fucking traumatized by what to have us like. Well, tell that to all the people who tell that to all the you know all the black people who've been shot, killed by um by the government, essentially the government. Um, yeah, are you sorry for them? I mean, whatever about that. But anyway, like she's she's a coward because you could have stepped, you could have ticked your privilege aside. Probably, I don't know, did an art house movie, a comedy movie she's doing this year, a long night movie, I think, for uh, Sony. She could have did that and took herself to the side and gave gave um, somebody, an, an Asian actress, perfectly Japanese because it's of Japanese culture, a chance to put their talents out there. But instead... She had to do the role because of the payday and nothing else. And and it's ironic reading that. I haven't read that article before I did the show. Like I was like, well, two cowards, you know, on a party. Because Scarlett and Ivanka are, you know, they're kind of messing the brands up with what they're currently going through. And, and I don't have an ounce of sympathy if Scarlett gets, you know, all these questions are press, and she's you know with head down, you know, having to deal with the consequences of the role she took, because people are fed up. Like Asian uh, folks are fed up with this shit. They're fed up with this game, and and I think she's taking it as a game rather than actually giving a damn about what she's doing. So that's just yeah. What this is? I'm like, come on, man. You you. You, you, you keep doing it and you don't and, and it's like well, well why are people upset it's like because you have no foresight you have no foresight like John Ridley has a foresight um <laughs> um he, he's doing his I said earlier like he he's doing his usual called Gorilla um and the Hollywood Report basically he was doing his uh, Q&A session 
um, about Darkest Howl, um, this new show for uh, Showtime and Sky uh, Broadcasting, um, which is, you know, the British Black Power Movement and back in the 70s. Um, and uh, I'll quickly go over some of the stuff. Um, apparently, one audience member asked, you know, why are there no black women at the, at the forefront of the struggle? That that no, that doesn't necessarily reflect uh, what happened in the 1970s in the UK, and that's what the that's the person that in the back said. And uh, John Ridley's response was um, regarding if um, per the article um, by saying that certain should aspects of gorilla be difficult to understand or accept. And he says, I I feel like I have done my job. Adding that if everybody understood racism oppression, there would be no reason to do, to do the show. We would be doing Dance of the Stars, which is probably one of the dumbest answers you could give. Like, come on, dude. Come on, you're the writer of American crime, and 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 this is your retort. And then he proceeds to take his hurt feelings and cry, trying to hold back tears, because his his wife is is Asian, and and um, yeah, it's like I said, like we got to take our previous asylum and ourselves in the mirror, and and really need to, and really needs to do that. And uh, he says the things that are being said here and how often how we are often received is very equivalent to what's going on right now in the world. My wife is fight is a fighting fighter. Um, um, my wife is an activist, and yet because our races are different, there are a lot of things we he said to pull, pull with. Yes, Asian folks, Black folks, ra- they have racism. Racism is different for you know for you know for you know for everyone. But we ain't talking about that for this movie, for this show, John. We're talking about you putting an Asian woman as the lead, John. What, what the hell, John? What, what, what's going on, John? You, you couldn't find one black woman to be the lead. But you're scared. you scared to take a chance. Because you want to play patty cake with people's lives with this. And it's just, it's stupid, man. I don't. I don't get. I really don't get some of the some some black men in Hollywood. I just. I don't understand it, man. This is. I don't know. Maybe maybe they badly want the bubble, and uh, they don't want the burst, so they keep taking that money. Anyway, and show comes on uh, April six. I think it's April six or not April six. Uh, you know, I don't even know when the show comes on actually. Uh, but I guess it's, I guess the film is going to take place in April. I guess that's kind of what it was. But, but um, he says she'll start a conversation. I'm just like, dude, we done. We done. We have a conversation. We're done. We're done. <laughs> take a conversation ball and go home. Just take and go home. Whatever. Um, Warner Brothers is going to try to do four Batman movies in 2019. Good luck. You're going to have one in 2019. For believe how they have this set up is um, apparently it's from the DCEU leaks from Reddit. Um, the Gotham Sir- City Sirens around Valentine's Day, uh, Nightwing on Memorial Day weekend, Batgirl in August, and the Batman in November. I I guess DC is trying to you know doing the thing where you know we're trying to cram us so many things so. Uh, that you that I hope you listen. I mean, I hope you watch it, and um, you sit down and enjoy our stuff. And and it's just like like you can't really pull off when some of the material the DCU really doesn't have in the most trustworthy scripts, um, scripts, movie ideas, uh, direction, um, whatever. Um, and yeah, they're trying. They counted. They're they're sorry. They're Counting their blessings before they have a chance to actually realize what they have here. And it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know what it's going to take for for uh, the DCU to realize that, um, I don't know, I, you know, they, they fucked this shit up further. And I think I talked to them about the DCU like this last couple episodes, last couple of episodes of Wonder Professions. So, I don't know what it's going to take, man, for them to get it. Um, Josh Boone's um, um, 
and New Mutants is under is under is under reproduction too. Is under reproduction. Um, and I guess that's going to be out in 2018, or at least hard to release 2018. Um, I never read New Mutants. It's basically, I guess, you know, something. You know, it's like a spinoff of the X Men universe, I guess. Um, and you know, we don't know much about it. Um, I don't know much about it, um, so I'll probably have to take the time, probably read some, you know, some stuff about them. Um, but um, hopefully, my only retort is I, I just hope um, they just get the support from you know Kimberg and, and um, Brian Brysinger. Because um, those movies we need to sort of break away from, you know, the the, the, the padlet and the direction that they've taken those movies on for so long. Um, um, so, yeah. Um, so we'll find out, you know, what happens. Um, like, all I know now is, um, I guess, in this original story, the student was made together saved their teammate, uh, Danny Moonstar, um, uh, was carried a mirage, mirage and themselves from the enormous demonic bear that had killed her parents and stalked her. It was really interesting. Uh, Boone, uh, director of the Fall on the Sars, I recall, in December. And different from the type of X-Men stories that we had that we had read. Ugh. We'll see, man. I don't know. Um, I'll have to... You know, I, I like the uh, Fall on the Stars. Um, it's a really good film. Um, so, you know, we'll see what he does. He's a big comic fan, so... You know, I don't know what Fox is able to let him do, but you know, again, we'll see what happens. Um, apparently, Tom Cruise trying to top himself again as Mission Impossible Six is also going to be in development. Uh, yep, you, yep, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see fifty-six-year-old Tom Cruise do another insane stunt. I mean, my God, um, Tom Cruise just—he don't care anymore. <laughs> You don't care about his own regard, so. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, apparently, there's like a lot of pictures about him. This is new stunt Tucker's gonna do is like you know him on a helicopter and some shit, and you know apparently it's gonna be an insane stunt. Um, so it's gonna be fun either way. Um, hmm. Oh man. I'm looking at these pictures. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything about these pictures because um, it's pre-production and I don't want to give away anything that would be you know enticing the movie. So, um, but yeah, he's good to go. They're ready to do another as possible, which cool. Um, that's like the only thing that's made Tom Cruise any money, you know, uh, aside from Edge Tomorrow, which overseas did made a killing, but over here not so much. Um, those are like the Mission movies are like the only things that have kept Tom Cruise being a you know a billing name, somewhat. John you know, Jack Reacher, those movies. You know, the first one did fine. The second one did okay. Uh, I think it barely made his budget, or barely broke even. Either way. Um, last but certainly not least, um, Anthony Hopkins uh, thinks uh, Michael Bay is a fantastic director. Uh, here's a quote uh, he gave. Um, he was telling me about the work he did on the Transformer bots, how he would refine them, go up to special effects guys and design them, and get all the details and light on of light on metal and all that. He told me that at breakfast before I started on the film. I thought that, I thought this guy's a genius. He really is. He's the same oak as Harvestone, <laughs> Spielberg, and Scorsese. Brilliant savants. They really they really are. He's a savant. <laughs> oh my God. I I. <laughs> <laughs> man I guess <laughs> I guess I don't know <laughs> I don't think Michael Bay is, is a great director but I guess one I guess one thing I can say about Michael Bay is he he has one formula and he does it well like I'm not a fan of his movies. I'm not a fan of his storytelling. Um, I think he he doesn't seem to be an all-around good person. Um, but you know, he's done. He does one thing and he rocks with it and does a hell of a job with it. And it just if we're just if we're just talking that really, I don't know, man. Michael, my, I, to me, it just sounds like Anthony Hawkins is like, I'm just trying to get that check, man. I'm trying to get that check. 
And I want to leave y'all with the final um, uh, quota, quota to, to book in the show. Um, uh, basically, this is my prediction as to what I think uh, Fast and Furious is going to do. And I think I probably should um, look up on Box Office Guru, and I'm going to do that right now. About the prior uh, grosses of the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. Uh, look for it. Um, fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see here. If I can get a good idea of. Um, I'll start from all from all the way up to uh, Fear Seven on down to uh, Tokyo Drift. Uh, Fear Seven made a killing at the box office uh, to, to start it, uh, one hundred forty-seven million dollars. Uh, Fear Six was ninety-seven million dollars. Uh, Fast Five was eighty-six million dollars. Uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth installment, was um, seventy million. And then you have um, the Fast and the Furious, the first to start it all off, uh, forty million. Too Fast and Furious was fifty million, and Took a Drift, which made the least of the Furious, twenty-three point nine, twenty million dollars. I'd say Fate of the Furious probably will make about. Um, it won't make as much as Furious Seven because um, you have to consider the death of Paul Walker, and it was just a, it was just an all around big movie. Um, but I, I do think Furious Seven will probably make about. Say one twenty million dollars. Be on the safe side. I think it'll make one twenty. Um, it'll make more. Uh, it'll make. Do I think it'll make more in Fury Seven? Um, we'll have to see about that. Um, I don't really think there's a lot out in the month of April. It'll probably be like number one for like about two three weeks, and then it'll lose to Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, which you know, which is not bad. You know, that's a good run. So uh, we'll see how that does, and we'll see um, what it'll do. Um, I won't do a Warner Confessions next week because I'll be in Miami uh, for um, Supercom Retro. Um, but I, I think I'll do like one of those Warner Wonder, those Warner Cons um, that I do when I'll when I'm at a convention. Um, so I'll probably do it on my phone. I'll probably talk about you know what I, what I did thus far. It'll, it'll be short and sweet, and um, hopefully y'all will enjoy it when I do it. Um, so, um, so I'm gonna sign off now. Um, Y'all take care. Uh, Peace.